Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 19. I'm Ev Marinovsky alongside Boston Sports Journalist Connor Ryan. Connor, how we doing? Evan, I'm thankful, man. Thankful uh-huh. to be recording episode 19 of Poke the Bear with you. I'm thankful we finally have some Bruins news to actually talk about on this show, which is great. And, of course, thankful to be celebrating Thanksgiving, albeit very differently this year, but be celebrating Thanksgiving uh, with some of my family. It's always a great time. So as, as shitty as this year has been, it's good to at least be able to celebrate it in some form. So hope all you guys out there are having a lovely Thanksgiving. Good Agreed. Oh, thank you. You too. Um, it sucks for me. I mean, we usually we have about 200 people for Thanksgiving. This, this year we're only doing 100. We're only doing wow. 100. That's good. And, 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 and we're, you know, we're not going to get that close. Mm-hmm. Maybe three feet. But we'll, we'll keep it, you know, distance like that. Usually we're all jam-packed together this year. We have a little more arm wiggle room. So no COVID. There will be no COVID. But 100 people, I think, is, is good, right? That's what the CDC said, right? I mean, uh, yeah, you pretty much have cut it in half. So I, I think the math kind of, you know, we're not, we're not mathematicians here. We're sports, we're sports writers, but I think that works. Exactly. I think that works. I think they said 50%, not more than 10. I think they just said 50%. So we'll kick it that. Obviously, I'm kidding. Uh, very different Thanksgiving. It's just me and, you know, my parents and my sister. It'll be fun. Um, I'm excited. I'm thankful for it. And also thankful this Bruins news. Um, and we'll get to Thanksgiving foods later in the show because uh might get contentious. Can't start out that hot. Um, but uh, there is Bruins news. Jake DeBrusque re-signs two years, uh, $3.675 million per year. Um, we didn't really expect this deal to come when it did. All of a sudden, it just hit. Um, and I, I, you know, it's funny. We both have said in the past that we thought this would be training camp deal. Or this would be like a right before training camp deal, but instead they do this a pre-Thanksgiving deal. Maybe the Bruins are thankful for Jake DeBrusque. But what were your initial reactions to this money and this deal? Uh, not really surprised. I think we both had said for uh, quite some time that most likely when you looked at just kind of DeBrusque situation, the team situation, and kind of the, str- the challenges of you know committing a lot of money during this time with the lack of revenue and uh, just the overall pretty dour fiscal market the NHL is in um, what made sense for both sides would be to do a short-term deal. And that's all ultimately, ultimately what they did. Um, and from the Bruins perspective, you have a, you know, a guy who his floor is 20 goals. He very well could be a 30 goal scorer um, for, you know, 3.675 million per year is a great value for that. Um, 
for DeBrusque, you know, it's uh, a nice bump in pay from, I think you made about like 890,000, I think in Saturday. Yeah, I think it's that percentage only, deal. yeah only 890,000, but still very nice, a very nice bump in pay for him. Um, obviously I'm sure he would ideally like to be paid kind of similar to what we saw maybe a few other guys in his draft class get, you know, like Konechnia, I think got, I want to say seven years and 5.5 million or, or something like that. Like, or at least something where it'd be like, you know, four or five years, four and a half, five million, something like that. But I think this is a good kind of common ground. Um, it seems like, you know, based on what Don Sweeney said, was said to us when he was talking about the deal that, you know, I think for as much as agents are, you know, always trying to get the best deal for their clients. I think everyone kind of has that understanding that there has to be some concessions and compromises over the next couple of years, just in terms of, you know, dealing with this flat cap. And so for respect, uh, you know, perspective, he gets a nice pay bump uh, and he gets to hit the market again in two years, which I think he'll still be 25. I think he turns, he turned 26 in October of 2022. So uh, still sets himself up for a, a nice payday um, in a few years after you would think probably having another 20, 25, 30 goal season on his resume for not, not this next year where it's going to be shortened, but if it's a full 82 game schedule in 21, 22, seems pretty likely that he's going to hit a mock like that. So I think, I think you look at that deal. I don't know how you can really find any detractors really, because I think it works out for both sides over the next two years. Yeah, it works great for both sides. I mean, it's funny when all these deals the Bruins make with their own guys are always like, well, that's good. Like that, that was kind of the same thing here, right? I mean, you have the bridge deal, which we both think was the right option. I think that was the smart move by them, given the climate, given DeBrusque's inconsistencies at times, plus his potential. Um, and you know, it doesn't kill the Bruins. It doesn't break the Bruins bank. I mean, they still have, I believe, 2.9 million in cap space, um, according to cap friendly. So you can resign Char easily with that money. Um, if you're going to, we'll get to that in a little bit, but to me, this makes sense. I think another interesting thing, and Fluto, uh, wrote this in the athletic and I was taken aback by this. I didn't realize this was the stat. Um, Sweeney had no issues committing six years and 40 million to David Pasternak when the right wing had 59 goals. Uh, upon expiration of his entry-level contract. If you're counting, that's three fewer goals than DeBrusque has scored following his first three NHL seasons. So Jake DeBrusque better than David Pasternak. I I think that's pretty much obvious, right? That's how it works, yeah. That's how it works. So that's what's going to happen. But interesting enough, I mean, I think in regular times, when put in that context, you wonder if the Bruins were going to go with that long-term deal. Sweeney mentioned that they were talking about a long-term deal um, early on, and it was his fault that it didn't really come to fruition. Uh, and I think that's really because the market. I think that's why. I think more so than DeBrusque's play, I think evidently the market probably dictated why they did not go with a long-term deal in this situation. Yeah, I think that was definitely the the number one kind of obstacle there. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of surprising when Sweeney said that just in terms of the fact that you would think for maybe a guy like DeBrusque, especially where he's – such has been kind of a streaky scorer, um, a guy whose numbers you expect going to jump up over time. You would imagine that he'd probably would want to do like a, a short-term deal on his end, just so that if he has another two, three years of 20 plus goals, he hits that 30 goal mark. And then as, as he's kind of going to be doing now where he hits the market again at 26, you'd imagine he's setting himself up for a really good contract. Like you, you would imagine that, DeBrus going into this offseason was looking at something like that just in terms of maximizing his value. The fact that 
a long-term deal was discussed if, you know, maybe more along the lines of like what a connect me, you know, uh, got on the market, then, um, you know, that seems like it'd be something that the Bruins would want to do more than DeBras, but the fact that it seemed like they were making efforts towards doing that, it's kind of encouraging in terms of just the fact of how the Bruins have been able to kind of, you know, lock down these, uh, homegrown free agents and, um, keep them under, you know, reasonable, you know, you know, under reasonable cap space just going forward and how they've been able to keep that flexibility with so many talented guys on the roster. So, um, as you said, though, it's definitely the, the kind of state of the market is what kind of impacted, um, them kind of settling on a short term deal. But again, we're as tough as this whole offseason has been for many teams in terms of just being able to, you know, deal with the cap and sign guys to reasonable deals. The Bruins still have some, you know, breathing room and some flexibility here with whether it be these cheaper deals or these kind of short-term deals that allow them to kind of not be saddled with any long-term commitments. Yeah, and it's funny. I also think an interesting part of this is kind of what the Bruins expect out of DeBrusque. Uh, You know, they're mentioning penalty killing. They're mentioning, uh, you know, more physicality, hitting more, uh, you know, obviously he's strong on the forecheck anyways. I've never thought of DeBrusque as someone who hasn't been big on the forecheck, but they wanted to be the F1 more. Um, and for those who don't know the lingo, that's when you're the first guy on the puck in the offensive zone. Uh, and, but, uh, it's different than, I guess, what we're used to out of DeBrusque. We're used to kind of him being the, the, the goal scorer or, you know, the, the more, point product we expect just kind of goals out of debrusque I mean, when you think yeah. back to the last three years we never thought like oh you know debrusque's two-way game needs to be better it was always oh he just needs to score more and yeah. it feels like the reason the bruins want the penalty killing they want the harder hitting is kind of because they it can be a momentum booster for a guy like debrusque when he isn't scoring and i think that i think that works out well i mean cam neely not to compare them but cam neely always used to say that when he wasn't hitting he felt like his game was deteriorating DeBrusque was taught when DeBrusque was meeting with us on Tuesday night, he was saying how, you know, he used to hit all the time and be very physical and that kind of waned away in the NHL. And I think if they can come back, that's a big thing to have. I mean, it's kind of like in some ways you're bringing back Nathan Wharton on that, on that uh, left side. So, or that right side. So, I mean, do you think DeBrusque can sort of do this? Can DeBrusque be successful as a, you know, physical two-way type winger? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think he has the, the tools to do it. And he kind of mentioned that it's not like it'd be something where he's drastically changing his game. I mean, he, he said that it's not a situation where he's just going to be bowling over guys, right? He's not going to be like the new Nick Ritchie or something like that. I was going to say, he's the new Nick Ritchie. <laughs> but, uh, you kind of look at his, you know, his style of play and, you know, he's a great skater. He's, as you said, he's not really ever been a guy who, isn't kind of the first guy in or is, you know, fighting for those pucks, you know, if he just gets better at it and kind of adheres more to the smaller details. I mean, you, you look at his game and rarely do you, you know, see a situation where he's either coasting or he's, you know, you don't really notice him. I mean, he's a guy who his underlying metrics always look great, right? Cause he's almost always getting shots off in great AI, sir. And, you know, generating quality chances is either, you know, they're going wide or, I mean, how many goals did he almost have in one of those games against Carolina where like he just was whiffing or something like that? Like he's usually putting himself in good spots. So that's why in the post. Yeah. That's why he's, you know, always at least a lock for around, you know, hovering on 20 goals because he puts himself in good spots to take these shots. So, um, but if you adhere to kind of the other details of the game, if you work on the forecheck, you know, disrupt passes, um, you know, recover pucks, 
those can be the difference between, you know, 17 to 19 goals to, you know, 25 goals if you start potting some of those chances. So I think for DeBrusque, who, you know, I think every time we, we've spoken to him at the end of seasons, he's always been very kind of candid with evaluating his game and the need to get better. It's never, ever, ever you know, a situation where he's like, oh, no, it was great year, you know, just keep what I'm doing. It's always, you know, him talking about working on, you know, the consistency, which he acknowledges something he has to work on, or as he mentioned yesterday or on Tuesday, rather, um, kind of rounding out his overall game. And I think that, you know, that's not anything where it's a major ask for them where they need him to change his game. But um, for a guy like him, who's also mentioned, you know, that when he's in those kind of scoring slumps, you know, it does kind of weigh on him. And if, it's a situation where he can leave a game and, you know, maybe he didn't score a goal, but he had, you know, five, six hits, you know, he blocked a few shots, uh, still got, you know, five shots on goal, you know, created some rebounds. That's a positive kind of momentum booster. And you can leave that game looking at the, you know, you're not hopping on the box score every time you read and see just a zero in the goal column and be like, all right, well, I'm, I'm pressing now. Like, you kind of adhere to the small details of the game and kind of round out your overall game. You can at least string together those consistent performances that I think a goal scorer like him can really kind of build on. I'd like to formally uh, claim the story. At some point this year, Jake DeBrusque will have a game where he's super effective. He has like six hits, you know, maybe gets in a fight, blocks a bunch of shots, has no goals or assists. So good, good chances though. I call writing the the progression of Jake DeBrusque's story up to that point. Like the most valuable player on the ice was the guy who had no goals and it was Jake DeBrusque. And and that's my lead. That's going to be my lead. That's going to be my whole story. And I claim it. So it's, this is my story now. You guys can all write it after. But I claim that story now. It's so obvious to write or at least so easy to write in my opinion. Um so I'm already I'm already claiming stuff for the 2021 season. So this, you can you can have the next pick in the story draft. That's you fine. can have the next pick. So you'll get the second overall pick, and then you get the third overall pick. Okay. Um, and then I'll go fourth. I don't know what my pick. It'll be, uh, you know, um, Selly season, Jake DeBrusque. That'll be my fourth overall pick. Um, it's always, so, that's always consistent. That's always like when you can write every single year. Yes. It, it's like when you go into training camp and the guy says he's in the best shape of his life. You're like, all right, I knew this story was coming. Like, all right, There it all is. Right. I know what I'm writing today. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yes, DeBrusque, though, I, I think does have the capabilities to do all these things. I think it'll be interesting to watch how he sort of changes. I think it, it's, it's, it's really, I think it'll be good uh, for next to Krejci. And I think that, I mean, if he can start hitting, I don't see what, you know, the problem is with that. As long as it's not taking away from, you know, goal scoring, which I don't think they would ever do. I don't think you're going to see DeBrusque be Nick Ritchie 2.0 or a goon. Um, so in other news, one thing Don Sweeney did hit on, aside from DeBrusque, was Chara. And nothing's changed. They're kind of waiting on him. Um, that's really it. The one interesting thing, though, is Chara went out on, uh, I believe it was, was it Tuesday or Monday? I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, Tuesday. Went out Tuesday and did his annual uh, event where he gives Thanksgiving or gives food to uh, different, I believe it's, is it shelters around Boston? or yeah, Shelters and a few other different spots kind of all around the city. I mean, he, he hits up, I think, like four or five different spots. So Yeah, and it's it's really great what he does. I mean, it's, it, this has been every year for a while. Um, so obviously incredible uh, doing that. The interesting part of it, though, is obviously Char is not a member of the Bruins right now, technically. I mean, I think we all kind of assume he is, but yeah. technically he's not. He's a UFA. Um, and in those pictures... When the Bruins posted them, you know, they pretended, you know, 
acted as if he was part of the team. Uh, and one of the pictures you can see like a Bruins car in the background. Like it has like the logo on the back of the car and stuff. And I'm sitting there going, he's, I mean, my theory has always been he's either retiring or he's coming back on a one-year deal. This makes it feel like he's coming back on a one-year deal. Um, now, granted, this is a food drive. I don't think they're going to say no to this. I don't think they're going to be like, sorry, you're not really on the team, dude. Sorry. Uh, you're only Zidane Chara. But that, that still kind of piqued my interest. I was like, huh. Hmm. Not yeah. saying that that's like big. I mean, it's kind of, it's like where, it's like what NBA Twitter was doing with, um, it was Serge Ibaka. It was someone who posted a, vi- a picture of themselves on a plane going somewhere to like talk to a team, but they didn't say what team. Yeah. So like r- NBA Reddit analyzed the picture and like looked at rugs and stuff and compared it to like other teams, private jets and figured out it was like the Brooklyn Nets. That was like, <laughs> when, uh, that was like when Kawhi Leonard was like flying to Toronto and people were like, were tracking the planes. Like, yes. Found the and NBA Reddit fan, like Twitter fans are, or something else, but incredible. You know. But no, I, I mean, I agree in, in terms of just that, it always seemed like the logical kind of scenario was going to be that Char was either going to be back on a one-year deal or uh, retire if he chooses to do that. Like, I know his agent mentioned that he got multiple offers, which I'm sure is the case. I'm sure there's probably a team like, oh, we can get a Hall of Famer for, you know, a cheap contract. Like, especially this year where no one has money to kind of throw around. Yeah, of course, it makes no, that makes plenty of sense. But, um I mean, you know, when you listen to Char, he he spoke briefly during the video, but, you know, it's just something that, I mean, for him and his family is important just to continue that tradition that has been going on for years now. I think Aaron Ward maybe first started it. Uh, Aaron Ward and then Dennis Weidman. I read the thing, Dennis Weidman and then Matt Bolesky and someone else. I forget who it was, but it was, but I know that it was uh, Mm -hmm. started by Aaron Ward. Um, But, you know, for him, it's it's definitely an important thing. And, but also, I mean, you kind of can, you know, maybe read the tea leaves or, or what have you, but you know, it's still, he's still living in Boston with his family. I mean, he's still got his roots here, obviously. Um, it just seems like if, if he is coming back, it's just going to be with the Bruins. And, uh, based on what Don Sweeney said, it's kind of what we all kind of assumed is that, I mean, Chara has the, the, the right and the luxury to, you know, not have to be pressed to sign right now. I mean, you, you look at, um, kind of the state of the league right now. We don't, again, know when the league's coming back. We don't know what the parameters are. We, the last we heard, you know, end of last week, it was talking about this kind of fighting between the owners wanting more salary deferment and the players understandably being like, what the hell? We just signed a CBA extension in, in the summer. Like you're kind of dropping the songs right before we really just get back to work. So um, I imagine for Chara, we're not going to get much clarity until they've agreed to kind of the parameters and some of those things. Because, I mean, for Chara, who's, you know, 43, going to be 44, I think, in March, um, you know, I don't think you're, you want to ramp up and go through the grind of a whole season again when uh, you don't know what this season's going to be like. And if it's a situation where it's going to be a complete shit show, and I don't blame a guy like him for being like, all right, like, Class, he was pretty miserable. I don't think anyone liked the bubble. I don't think they're going to do a bubble again, but if it's going to be another thing like this where it's just going to be uh, just a, a bunch of kind of mishaps or, or, you know, a tough situation for the players, I could see him uh, retiring. But I, I think the logical thing is it's going to be one of those two scenarios. I don't expect to see him 
skating for the Florida Panthers or some other, you know, I don't think you would go to the Florida Panthers anyway, but any other team. Retirement. In the case. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I, I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the money and the years are done. Like, I would not be surprised if they've done the, like, the negotiations yeah. per se and said, we're going to do, if you come back, we're going to do one year, like 1 million or 1.5 million. And Char said, that's fine money as long as we don't do a bubble. And they're kind of just waiting until the season starts because it doesn't feel like he's done. And it doesn't feel like he wants to uh, retire. I do wonder, um, who retires first, Brady or Chara? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if Brady keeps on throwing up bombs. I get picked off like 10 yards off of where he's throwing at him. Who knows? But I feel like the thing is, like, I feel like Chara is like, not a piece of he's, you know, retired because I feel like he's he's done everything. He, I mean, the, the way Chara has been able to keep up his game at this level, playing hockey, especially his, his bananas in terms of, you know, how he takes care of himself. I feel like Brady's just now fueled by just like his, uh, just kind of the Brady competitive, whatever you want to call it kind of thing. TV 12. Yeah, like I, I feel like he's going to keep on trying, even if it eventually ends with him having like a, you know, 2015 Manning season or something like that. Like, I feel like that's going to be, it's going to end like that, which is going to be sad. Like for as much as people are, you know, talking about Chara and the, the bubble and it's like, ah, oh, he's not, you know, the, the Norris trophy, uh, regular guy. And again, no shit. Well, he's 43, but he's still a very, very good, you know, uh, shutdown guy, a good PK guy. Like he still has value on the team. Like, I know it's going to happen if he comes back. There's going to be people who are going to be mad that you tossed out a million dollars at a oh. guy who, at the very least, is still a very capable, you know, third pairing guy, a guy who can still lead your penalty kill. Um, the fact that Char is still able to do that at his age in this sport is, uh, I mean, it's just absurd. But I would, I would say probably Chara would retire first. I feel like Brady's going to be going at like, you know, forty-seven or something like that. And so like, I agree. I, I think it's Chara. I think it's Char. I don't I, – because I just don't – Brady, like, you're going to have to rip the Brady – you're going to have to rip the jersey off Brady. Like, you're going to have to freaking, like, grab him off the field and forcibly pull him off. Like, and I think the Buccaneers are so desperate for jersey sales and attention mm-hmm. that they would they, – they will keep him as long as he wants to play, whereas the Patriots, obviously, not so much. After, so After he gets Bruce Arians fired this year after – because Bruce Arians just likes to throw out four verticals, like, in Madden. That's yes. like Darren's playbook. He's just doing that, which is not really a smart move when you got a 43-year-old quarterback. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I find it hilarious, by the way, that he cannot play on prime time. And essentially also just – why have him throw deep? Like, I know this isn't a Patriots podcast, but why have him throw deep? I mean, just the short stuff. Easy. Easy money. But for that stuff, go follow Greg Bedard over at Boston Sports Journal for that. He'll, he'll have you up on all the Patriots, all the Patriots stuff. Connor for BSJ and – uh, me over at CLNS. Uh, but so, um, let's get into Thanksgiving food talk because that is what the people want. That's what the people, the people have been waiting for. Um, we want to do three favorite foods of Thanksgiving and three least favorite foods of Thanksgiving. Um, and I'll start, I guess, I mean, I'll, I'll start from this. I guess this will be my opening soliloquy. I don't hate any foods of Thanksgiving, really. I don't know if there's foods I hate. I think, I feel like for, at least for me, now, granted, I don't have like green bean casserole or anything like that, but my the foods I eat on Thanksgiving, I like. There's nothing that I'm like, ooh. I mean, I guess we could do – I guess there are foods that I don't eat that I'm like – I look at and go, eh. Like, yeah. for instance, pecan pie I'm allergic to. 
Oh, well, I don't. I don't like pecan pie that's for obvious hint. reasons. <laughs> you have a legitimate reason, though. <laughs> like this, I feel like usually people, if they don't like uh, a certain kind of pie, are just you know, it's either. I feel people are who hate on pecan pie that are not allergic to it, so they can actually try it, or just like I get to be excluded. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize that it's really just like a brown sugar like bomb is all it is. Like it's not you know people who I think haven't tried it yet. It's like no, it's just sugar. That's why it's good. That's why people eat pecan pie. That's all it really is. I will say, though, as a young kid, I remember talking pies. I used to love pumpkin pie because it was uniform and it didn't, it wasn't all over the place. Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten older, my love for apple pie has far surpassed pumpkin pie. Like, oh. I don't, if there's two pies and I can only eat one, it's apple 100 out of 100 times. Oh, and apple pie is the king. 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 I would not, the like, apple pie to me, I mean, like, it's funny during the year, no one says like, Oh, I'm going to make a pumpkin pie in like <laughs> June. <laughs> like pumpkin pie really is one t- one day of the year. Yeah. Uh, whereas apple pie, like if you get apples in like February, you know, mom's like, Oh, I'll make apple pie. And it's like, Oh, perfect. Um, but to me, I don't, I don't see the need for pumpkin pie just because apple pie is so superior. I, I like the pumpkin flavor if it's in like other stuff. Like I'm not, getting a pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks like in September. I'm not like amped for that, but like I, I'll do it in like, they have it like for, for like Dunkin' Coffee. I'll get it there and they have like actually a pretty good flavor, but I don't, I couldn't like knock out like a whole slice of pumpkin pie. Like I'd rather have like an apple pie and do something else than. I'd rather waste those calories on two slices of apple pie than one of pumpkin exactly. pie. Like it's just the thing to do. So when it comes to the meal itself, what is your favorite of the entire meal? So, so stuffing, I think is, I think is key. I, I've, I've advanced from stuffing though. Cause my family usually only had like stovetop mm-hmm. and like stuff like that. But now we're, um, my girlfriend makes very, very good, like legitimate stuffing where it's like, you actually, <laughs> you're, you're like nuking it or something like that. So, uh, stuffing's great. Obviously everyone I think has different, you know, people put a whole bunch of different shit in theirs, but I feel like it's cloud. That's one you can just load up to. If you need to just have a bunch of carbs, just put like a whole bunch of stuff and you're good to go. Yeah. Easy. Great. Um, what's your take on mac and cheese? Cause that's like one that I feel like people are either like very hostile about. It, it's like when people get pissed when you say that you enjoy Die Hard as Christmas movie, when it's like, all right, maybe it's not traditional, but it's still good. And also, like, why are you being so mad at me about a fucking Christmas movie? Exactly. So my mac and cheese. So my take on mac and cheese is, I'll totally be honest, I did not grow up with mac and cheese as a Thanksgiving meal, ever. It was never part of it, ever. Like, in my 21 years, it has never been on my plate on Thanksgiving. It's never been an option. I've never even thought of it as an option. So when I saw it uh, kind of tossed around, people, I remember, like, people put the past couple of years, you know, with social media, I guess, with polls rising on social media, people would be like, you know, what'd you take on mac and cheese for Thanksgiving? And I'd be like, what? Like, people have been having mac and cheese on Thanksgiving? I would like to say, I would love if mac and cheese was put into the mix for Thanksgiving. Yeah. I would love that. A good, like, creamy, ma- yeah. not like craft mac and cheese. No, I mean, like, not, I mean, like, around here, Evan. like, breadcrumbs and, like, thick, like yeah. thick with two C type mac and cheese, um, you know, and that that kind I would love if it's made right. If it's not made right, I don't want it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I I I don't I I don't have the passion in me to like. I don't. It's not one of those like passionate issues for me where I'm like, oh my god, Thanksgiving, you cannot have mac and cheese. It doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't. 
I don't care. It's good. Like mac and cheese is great. If you were like, oh, you know, do you put Brussels sprouts with your Thanksgiving? I'd be like, fuck no. Like screw that. No one does that. Uh, But mac and cheese, I'm not like passionate for or against it. Um, Mm -hmm. I would just say that it is, I would love to have it, but I've just never grown up with it. But I guess it makes sense with the plate. I mean, you I I guess it kind of goes with everything else, right? I mean, what about you? Oh yeah, I mean, I so we weren't like mac and cheese. We didn't have it for a long time. We only recently have done it, but again, it's like one of those ones where you're like the first time we we had it, we're like, why did we do this before? Like we all like <laughs> mac and cheese here. We're not like we don't have like the craziest palate in the the Ryan household. So like we all who doesn't like mac <laughs> and cheese, like screw, it. we'll add this to the add this to the mix. So. It's it's good, you know. It doesn't. It's not that hard to to do. You can't like really fuck up mac and cheese. Like you can ruin a turkey or something like that. But um, it's just like consistently good. You have something you know you can fall back on, and you're, like you're excited to have it. Like no one ever is like pissed that they have to eat mac and cheese. Yeah, no, mac and cheese is where it's at. Like I don't I don't think anyone's like, oh man, there's mac and cheese. Like yeah. everyone likes yeah. mac and cheese. Um, um, what were we gonna say? But yeah, after that, I mean, like, I think the other consistent one has to be mashed potatoes and gravy. I mean, oh yeah, I, I think that one. Who doesn't like either one of those two things? I mean, they're staples. Again, I think it's really tough to screw up mashed potatoes. So, uh, you know, I think that one kind of rounds up the list. Even though I will say, I'm a fan of almost any veggie. I'll take like ve- I'm always have been veggies over fruit like my whole life. So, Ooh. yeah. So like, I'll take any veggie you want to throw out there. I'm probably game for it. Like uh, corn, green beans, green beans rule. And yeah, I mean, I heard, I hear you talking shit about Brussels sprouts, man. Brussels sprouts are fucking good, man. Brussels sprouts really? are a great vegetable. They're well, lovely. You, spr- roast, you roast them? Oh, dude. Oh, mine have always been sauteed. I mean, either or, man. I got uh, Brussels sprouts, regardless. They get, they get, they've been dragged our entire life through a childhood of like people in cartoons making, like, roasting, like, uh, Brussels sprouts, but they're great, man. The love Brussels sprouts could use some good advertising because, as you said, they have been yeah, just they've completely. Been just they've been can- they were canceled before it was cool to cancel things. Like yeah. they were canceled so long ago. I'm not a Brussels sprouts guy. I mean, I eat it with. I, I can't eat a Brussels sprout. Sprout. I don't like eating it straight. I'd rather like take it on my fork and then put like something else on my fork with it, so it, like kind of covers up the taste. But I'm also a vegetable guy. I like vegetables, broccoli corn carrots like i love that stuff yeah um but i don't know if i like it more than fruit like to me you give me a nice juicy fresh piece of pineapple or uh strawberries and i'm eating it a hundred times probably before a vegetable i think and the other thing about fruit that scares me is like i'll eat it like i don't i hate cantaloupe and melon yeah and those no. things because yeah. it always makes my mouth itch always yeah. it always has it's those little it's like too fresh that it makes my mouth itch. My then I'm like, am I allergic? Am I not? So it's like I just I'm Keep not eating it. Yeah, it's fine. I just eat it, but I just don't like it that much. So whenever I get like a fruit cup, like I'll put it in this perspective: when you get a fruit cup, you get like grapes, strawberries, pineapples, then like melon, cantaloupe, honeydew, and I always eat just the pineapple, the grapes, the strawberries. Whereas if I got a vegetable cup with like corn, carrots, broccoli, green beans all that stuff, I probably would eat every single part of it. So maybe I am a vegetable guy and maybe this is my like opening up as a vegetable person. And I've just have never realized that you made me realize it. We've, we've had um, a break, yeah. 
we've hit a breaking point. Now, do you put gravy on everything or just the mashed potatoes? I think you can put gravy on everything. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, no I, doubt. I mean, I wouldn't put it on like my my mac and cheese. I'm not a fucking savage, but you know, it'd probably still be fine. Yeah, it'd probably be good. I mean, to me, I'm a gravy on everything, and I'm also now. Do you on your plate? Is everything separate or is everything kind of one and the same? Like, do you like end up to, eating? I everything? like to keep things separately. I don't like the mashed potatoes. You know, I don't need the the uh, the rolls to be getting like emulsified by the the gravy or something like that. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like that. I'm not like I'm not like a super stickler. Right? You know, there's people who have like this segmented like plate. I'm like, all right, no, we're not fucking, we're not in cafeteria. Yet, it's a lunchable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not having lunchables, but. I, I don't like having like a, a goulash of like just stuff like thrown on the plate. Well, I obviously keep it nice and orderly, but I don't like when I eat my stuffing, I don't just eat the stuffing. I eat the stuffing. Oh yeah. No. The piece of turkey. Okay. So then we agree on that. Um, so what do you think of turkey? Cause I remember I, I never thought of turkey in this sense. When you think about it, um, there's no turkey houses, chicken, there's chicken houses and there's KFC and there's, you know, places such as mm-hmm. steak, there's steak houses. There's no turkey houses. It makes me kind of think. Is turkey overrated? Like, yeah. is turkey kind of over? Like, does turkey kind of get a free pass um, because of everything else being so good that it's kind of like, in and of itself, turkey like isn't that great? But it's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, what's a good example? Like, who's a player that gets carried? Um, who who's a player that's got historically carried in their career? Mm-hmm. Like when Matt Bolesky was on the line with Ryan Getzlav and Corey Perry, yeah, kind of like that. Like you couldn't see how bad it was or how subpar it was until it was off on its own so if yeah. you just had turkey just turkey i think people would go well eh, eh. like i don't think turkey's that amazing i think out of the whole plate turkey actually it's kind of like seinfeld like i love jerry i love jerry i'm a big right. jerry seinfeld guy but as an actor he was the by far the worst of everyone oh, yeah. but he was like the most popular of the four right but he was kind of surrounding himself ter- with genius. He was carried by Kramer and George and Elaine. So it's yeah. kind of like, I guess, the same thing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think turkey straight up sucks. I don't, I don't even like, you know, we, we obviously have a turkey, but I, I regularly don't have actually get the turkey on my plate. I don't, I don't really know. We usually have like a, I don't know if we're doing it this year where it's a smaller kind of thing, but we usually have like a, a nice ham as like a backup. Oh, so yes. Switch things up. Cause I, I, the only time I'll have turkey if it's like, a deli slice, like smoked turkey or something yeah. like that. I, like if you carve up a turkey, whether it's white meat or dock meat, I'm like, nah, I'm fine. I got my mac and cheese. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have just carbs. I'm going to have carbs and pass out in two hours. So that, that's all I need. So <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm not a big turkey guy. Big dumb burger anyway. It's ugly. It's loud. Stupid. And they always, I, it's, I love uh, the White House pardons one every year. And I think it's so pointless. Like, I think it's like funny, but it's just like really stupid. And my favorite part is like, they put them up in a hotel. They put like the turkeys up in a hotel room. Um, and my favorite part is all the people replying like, that's taxpayer dollars. Like that, that's our money. <laughs> it's like, look at government, baby. Look what it's going towards. I feel more bad for like the poor, like person who has to clean up that room after. Or they walk by and just get the stupid thing, just gobbling in the things. Like, they're like, damn, again. Yeah. <laughs> another year yeah i know turkey suck yeah turkey is just uh i'm not i'm not a big turkey guy i don't hate it i eat it every year um because i just like eat it with like the mashed potatoes and the stuffing um but i haven't you can coat it in other stuff as you said though you can put like gravy and like mashed potatoes and like yeah it's like you can just 
it's it's like putting Chara just on the penalty kill or like the third line minutes. It's like you yeah. just kind of you're sheltering it. Um, but I, I I haven't had a ham on Thanksgiving in a long time. But our family used to uh, there was this place called Gerard's Farm in Framingham, and it would it was the best. It, they basically would make your whole Thanksgiving dinner for like ten to fifteen people. They would make it somehow like the day of Thanksgiving. So you could pick you could pick it up, turkey, everything. One day, you could pick it up the day of Thanksgiving. So you could bring it home and just put it on the table and eat it. It was like the, the greatest invention since sliced bread. Seriously, since sliced bread. Yeah. Um, it was the best. And then they like – I think they like went bankrupt. I don't know what happened, but they just I, – I, poof, they were gone I one thought, day. I thought you were going to say that they made, they made you the, all the food for $10. I'm like, well, I see why they're freaking bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was market price. It was a lot more than ten bucks, but um, it was great. Like it was awesome because you could just put it on the table and just eat it. It was amazing. Um, and then in the past, when once they were gone, we just went to like a, we went to a different person's house because they would just they would cook the whole meal. So it was like, oh, we just hook it up off their meal. Uh, but uh, that the Gerard's place always had ham. You got a ham. I think you had ham and a turkey. So it was mm-hmm. perfect because you had both. Uh, and talk about leftovers. Uh, but now it's just a turkey. So I, I do kind of wish we went back to the ham because ham, I think to me is just so superior. Yeah. Um, so superior. No, um, and I don't, yeah, I don't think there's anything else that I'm like, I've never had casserole. I've never had like green bean casserole on Thanksgiving. It's never been like a staple of my family. Um, yeah. do you, I, it's funny when people always put like shrimp out as an appetizer or like crackers and cheese for me there's no appetizer i'm going i'm saving my whole stomach having yourself uh, yeah. yes i'm fasting for that meal i'm like uh when the guy from um man versus food would like not eat for like a week to go like eat like a 32 pound cheeseburger yeah. um so i'm in that sense but yeah that's thanksgiving that's thanksgiving talk i don't think there's anything i think we covered everything um, everything Did, more, didn't fighting each other so no we kind of agreed on stuff i don't I, don't I thought see I was anybody. gonna get black for the turkey thing. I'm glad I found another person who thinks turkey yeah. is fine, if not bad in my case. But like it's the people who reveal the turkey, it's like it's it's not worth you, it. Think about it. You can never eat turkey straight. It's not like a, you can eat like a piece of chicken. Like people are eating chicken off of the bone. Nobody's like grabbing a turkey bone. King Richard's fair. Some other dumb shit like that. So. Yeah, you're you're crazy if you do that. But anyways, that's Thanksgiving. I hope you and your family, Connor, have a great Thanksgiving. And to listeners, I hope you guys have an amazing Thanksgiving full of great food. Um, and before I let you go, is there anything that you're working on before I? Yeah, we have a couple of uh, prospect updates that we're dropping in the next couple of days. So uh, follow over at uh, bostonsportsjournal.com. Subscribe there, and you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore ninety three. Do all that. And for, for CLNS Media, I'm F. Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan at Boston Sports Journal. This has been Poke the Bear, and you, your listeners, have an amazing Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.